Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion, everybody. This is Juco All-American, joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. Uh, we are here to talk about game week. <laughs> the Mercer Bears coming up. Uh, and we will have things to talk about with that and also just the season overall. Uh, hopefully you're noticing that the sound quality is a little bit better. I have a new mic. And uh, yeah, apologies for last week. It was it was pretty trash when I listened to it. Um, but first, before we talk about football... We are going to talk about what we're drinking. I am actually drinking a an old-fashioned uh, made with a bourbon distilled in Austin, Texas, where I live, called Nine Banded, which is 90 proof. It was 30 bucks, and I am quite happy with it. This is my first time actually having this. Uh, even on the rocks, it's fine. But yeah, uh, especially good in this cocktail. Nice. Um uh, if you tuned in last week, I, I mentioned a rum that I was drinking called Smith and Cross. It's like a, a funky kind of Jamaican rum. Uh, I'm drinking the same thing. You know, it's it's kind of been old reliable, and uh, I'm gonna hold steady with that for this week. So. Nice. Uh, it is funny. I was thinking about how I am always drinking whiskey, and you are always drinking a rum whenever we have these. <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> it's not that I don't like other drinks. I just also like bourbon a lot. Yeah. I'll change it up um, for, for uh, upcoming weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there will be plenty on Saturday. Uh, before we talk about Ole Miss, uh, do you think that you'll watch a lot of football other than Ole Miss on Saturday? Or are you mostly just kind of an Ole Miss football watcher? I'm going to be annoyingly busy this Saturday and lots of other Saturdays. I am just very bad at clearing my schedule for college football. Um, mm-hmm. I, I try to catch up on it and, you know, watch recaps and highlights and stuff from, you know, the, the previous week uh, throughout. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard for me to sit down and watch a whole football game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that week one also doesn't seem like it has just an insane number of interesting games. I guess UNC South Carolina will be good or interesting enough. It will be interesting how Tulane does against South Alabama since Ole Miss plays them. And then um, I guess Thursday night is Florida versus Utah. That should actually be a really interesting game. But lots of just obvious outcomes among the top 25. It will be interesting to see Colorado's first game. Kind of see like what does Shador Sanders look like at this level and that sort of thing? They um, played TCU, right? Yeah, and that's going to be a tough test. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if they if they keep it close or, you know, certainly if they win, that would be a really interesting thing. I don't know about you. I, I'm actually sort of rooting for them. Um, I know that a lot of people are, like, down on Deion Sanders because he's kind of the next it thing and people wanted it to be Lane Kiffin and everything. But I actually think it'll be cool if they if they do well. Yeah, I'm on the fence. It does seem like Deion Sanders is uh, kind of a huge dick, um, but I think what he's trying to do is really interesting. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm torn. And, I, you know, the Colorado Buffaloes are one of my, like, go-to NCAA football dynasty teams just because, like, their uniforms are so sick and, you know, having a team in Boulder, Colorado, uh, mountains in the background. I don't know. It's cool. So it's I'm also, on the fence. It's also always fun to start with a really trash team, and Colorado is that. So 
Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's let's talk about Ole Miss. So obviously, we're not going to spend a lot of time on Mercer. I have not. I know nothing about them. Uh, I know a lot of people like watched their first game, which has already happened. Uh, they won um, seventeen to seven against North Alabama, and their quarterback, whose name I'm now learning, is Carter PV was 12 of 17 for 115 yards and a touchdown. They averaged 3.2 yards rushing against North Al and 6.8 yards passing. Uh, but their defense was just, I guess, so locked down that, that they somehow won. Um, yeah, I don't think it will be an interesting game. And that's great. I love that kind of game. Yeah, those non-interesting games to me are very interesting where you get to mm-hmm. just see the bench get cleared. That's so much fun. Exactly. And also, like, it's just a chill Saturday. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about the team. And by the team, I mean Ole Miss. Um, so, first of all, it seems like suddenly there's this, like, uh, invented quarterback controversy. And I guess maybe it's not that invented. I mean... There are good options on the roster, more than just one. But I don't know, like, it's weird that if Jackson Dart and Spencer Sanders have been told who the quarterback is, they certainly haven't told the media uh, that they know. They seem to not know, which is kind of, I mean, look, it doesn't matter because whoever it is will just boat race Mercer. But it is a little bit weird, right? That like, I mean, I, I've heard anecdotally that maybe not anecdotally, I've heard from people that Jackson Dart is taking almost all the snaps with the ones. But like, just go ahead and do it, man. Like, Spencer Sanders is not going to transfer. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have that option, really. Right. Um, Sanders. But yeah, you're right. Dart has taken so or such a large percentage of the first team snaps that if there is a real quarterback controversy, what is Lane Kiffin doing? Yeah. Uh, That's not what you do if there's a real quarterback race. If there's a real position battle, you don't give one guy 90 plus percent of the first team snaps. And, and yeah, you're right there. There were, you know, I think Sanders and Dart both appeared in front of press this week and both kind of indicated like, yeah, we would like to know <laughs> what's going on. I'm sure they would. Die. I'm sure they would. Well, if and, you remember, I mean, obviously Matt Corral's final year, there was no question about, uh, you know, who the starter was, but when Kiffin first got to Ole Miss, he played coy about John Rice Plumley and Corral. Like we heard that Corral was taking all the snaps, but even like many media members the week of the game were saying like John Rice Plumley is going to start and you know run for a million yards. And uh, we know just how silly it was looking back not to not to name Corral at the time. Uh, but for for whatever reason, Kiffin didn't. Uh, and then Corral was cemented as a starter, and so that became you know less of an issue, and it was obvious. 
Uh, I guess maybe there's something to this idea that Kiffin just kind of doesn't want to say who it is before the year starts. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely an odd strategy. I feel like there's this emphasis on his NFL-like approach to player management and stuff like that, but that's not what they do in the NFL. <laughs> they say yeah. who the starters are. They like release official depth charts and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he won't do it. I mean, so I guess we'll see. We'll see both of them play on Saturday. So I guess we'll have the chance to kind of see how that plays out. Yeah. Um, okay. I have a question for you. At at what point in the game does it become disappointing or aggravating that we haven't seen Spencer Sanders, assuming Dart gets the start? Like, at what point in the game are you like, okay, come on? If we haven't seen him by halftime. Okay, yeah, I'd agree with that. And yeah, I'm wondering, like, I feel like a lot of time coaches just leave starters in for way too long in situations like that. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it looks. Yeah, I think the pro. I mean, the problem with a game like this is like, and uh, gosh, we're gonna revisit. We're gonna play this like next week when Ole Miss is zero and one somehow, and we're gonna play this clip and just cry. But um, the problem with a game like this is like, this team sees you know better competition in practice, and so like, what does it even do to leave Jackson Dart in longer than normal? Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, what value is there, you know? Um, Well, hey, let's move on to uh, really good news. We teased two commitments that we we both thought were happening, and they did happen, and they were four stars, so that's cool. That doesn't happen all the time. That's uh, wide receiver Nareel White from here in Mississippi and quarterback Trevor Jackson from Florida. Is that right? Florida? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Winter Park, Florida. Um, Winter Garden, yeah. actually, I think, right? Oh, when, yeah, something, yeah. winter something, yeah. which is funny because it's in Florida. Uh, uh-huh. Like, what are they, does, does it snow there? No. Uh, <laughs> but no, both really good commits. Um, I kind of wrote an article for each of them and, you know, watched some highlights and stuff like that. Nareel White, what stands out to me is just his level of general athleticism. And that's like a very vague and unhelpful thing to say. But if you watch it, I don't know if, if you watch recruits highlights a lot, a lot of times you're, you're watching guys who have incredible frame and potential and stuff like that, but they're just kind of running around like baby deer out there. Like he is a guy who looks like he has better body control, anticipation, technique, whatever than everybody else on the field. Uh, and in addition to that, he's very, very quick, um, and, you know, pretty powerful player as well for, for, a you know, wide receiver kind of body. Uh, so really excited about him. Um, harder to tell as much about Trevor Jackson. I mean, he looks good because it's, it's highlight tape of a quarterback. Uh, but, <laughs> but who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, getting the, Getting four stars is always fun. And these guys had legit offers from other good schools. Uh, And we we talked about them more last week on the pod. So if you want to listen to that, please do. Um, But now contribute to a class that has gone differently than I think we all expected. Um, 
the 2024 class has 23 high school commitments. To put perspective around that, last season's entire class had 17. Um, I was actually looking last year. (laughs) So the 2023 class had 17, uh, actually, I guess 16 high schoolers and a JUCO. Uh, and 25 transfers. 25. Yeah, that's a, a crazy way to manage rosters. I get why he's doing it just based on, you know, the, the incoming and outgoing players and their talent levels and classes and stuff. Like, I, I get why it was transfer heavy, but it's still just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's, and a, a number of those guys have more than one year of eligibility, which is cool. But yeah, it's, it's astonishing. Um, I guess, uh, what is your what is your take on the recruiting philosophy uh, and how having twenty three commitments at this far at this point makes sense? I mean, I think that's good. I think you you want to transition to that. I think portal recruiting is something that a coach would be more likely to do early in his tenure um, when he's trying to kind of remake the roster to fit what he wants. Um, and I think, you know, headed into year four, it's kind of time to wind that down a little bit. Um, And I think that allows Kiffin to hopefully focus on quality over quantity from the portal as well. Um, And also it's a particularly good year um, for Mississippi high school prospects. Like there's just, 20, 25 guys who are pretty legit D1 prospects in Mississippi. So it seems. Um, so I think it's it's a very good year for him to be heavy on high school. We'll see what the, the portal hall ends up looking like, you know, in December and January and beyond. But uh, I, I definitely like the, the strategy. Yeah, I also think that a lot of us, myself included, are still grounded in this idea of 25 total scholarships. And that's not the way it is now. Now it is you have your 85 scholarships and you get there however you want. If you lose 50 guys, you have 50 spots. Um, and as, as you can tell from the fact that Ole Miss had 25 transfers in this year. Um, and so... Maybe this idea of taking plenty of high schoolers who the ones that work, you'll keep the ones that don't will transfer uh, makes a lot of sense in this time. I mean, you've got to find guys that will stick around uh, and, you know, you can't get an entire roster through the transfer portal every year because most of those guys have one or two years left. Uh, so I think it makes sense. It is a very big departure from how Kiffin's classes have been built so far at Ole Miss. Um, and maybe it's the Pete Golding effect. And, you know, the fact that he seems to, one, be really good at recruiting and also to value the high schooler. Um, and that's cool to see because I think that this class in Mississippi has a lot of great defenders and, you know, having a 
a guy who has seemed to work well in Mississippi so far has has been really fun to follow. And I don't know if you've paid attention to next year's class, but next year's class in Mississippi is also great, maybe better than than this one. Um, so nice time to be good at recruiting in this state. Yeah, the um, I don't know much about the depth of the class, but I know that they have the best quarterback and the best wide receiver that have come out of the state in quite some time. Like maybe yeah. since AJ Brown, and I don't even know a quarterback that you would compare to Deuce Knight. Yeah, I want to say there are 10 top 250 players, uh, according to the on three consensus. But let me make sure that that's right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, um, it's not important. We, we can talk about that later. Let's talk about actual the game and everything. Um, what is what are your thoughts just generally on kind of what has stood out to you in out of camp and the depth chart and that sort of thing um, and maybe been a bit surprising to you entering the, the season? Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, I'd, I'd say camp on the whole has gone mostly as expected, which is probably a good thing. Probably means they didn't grossly misevaluate a bunch of portal guys, stuff like that. Um, one of the good pieces of news is it seems like Aiden Williams, the freshman wide receiver, is set to be a heavy contributor early. And everything we hear from him is that he's just going to be a superstar, like very quickly. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, Sunterine Perkins, I was kind of hoping to hear the same things about him. Haven't yet. I mean, we hear like, his potential, his athletic ability is insane, but he has probably more veteran guys ahead of him. And I think maybe linebacker is also a tougher position to emerge as a freshman. Uh, and so he has those two things working against him. And I'm, I'm curious to see what he looks like, how much we see of him on Saturday and down the road. Um, let's see. Michael Trigg, uh, once again, kind of showing that he's n not going to be super reliable this year. He's, you know, there are rumors that he had quit the team and apparently that's not the case, but he's still kind of in the doghouse and still, um, not working hardly at all with the first team, even with, um, Caden Priestcorn taking some, some time out. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm frustrated to hear that he may not be a big part of the offense, but I guess the good news on the flip side is that, uh, Kieran Heath and Hudson Wolf have apparently been playing pretty well. Um, like much better than, than I would have expected to hear from either of them. I was kind of expecting, especially Hudson Wolf with his, you know, kind of wasted his first two years with a back injury or not wasted like it's his fault, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. He lost out on the, you know, two years of development uh, due to injury, but apparently he's been playing pretty well. Um, so we still might have more tight end production than we had last year, you know, more, more talent at that position, even if Michael Trigg is um, being a pain again. So, um, Moving on, I think that there is, you and I have a bit of contention or a disagreement, so to speak, about um, the safety room 
Uh, I think that we're both kind of in agreement around corners, probably where DeAndre Prince is good and there are some promising players uh, elsewhere, but it's not like a proven position necessarily other than DeAndre Prince. Uh, but you have also uh, some thoughts around around the safeties. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the guys that they brought in. I think we just need to see how they compare with the guys that we lost. Um, AJ Finley, Otis Reese, we both found out made NFL rosters. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, great for them. Uh, Taishim Johnson transferred to Oregon. I don't know what his, you know, outlook is for the Ducks, but still transferred to a very prestigious program. Um, and those were our three best safeties. They're all gone. Um, uh, of the two returning contributors at safety, one moved to linebacker and then got injured in Ladarius Tennyson. Uh, the other is Aishim Young, who's pretty good. Um, John Saunders, I like a lot. I think he's going to be our best safety this year. Um, and then beyond that, we, we have some question marks. There's, um, oh man, oh man, I'm getting his name. Hold up. <laughs> it's, oh my God. Taylor Give Washington. Me any identifier. <laughs> Taylor Washington. Uh, Trey Washington. Trey Washington. Trey Washington. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm terrible. Uh, Trey Washington, he should be fine. He played a lot, but I don't know how he will do as kind of a starter level contributor. Um, Dijon Anthony, Teha Young, we don't know much about them other than, you know, they will be forced to play a lot. Um, basically, I think that could be a weak point of the defense or at least the biggest question mark. So I think that'll be an area that I watch a lot on Saturday. Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah. Um, so I think I, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, I wish Tyshim Johnson was still on the team. Obviously, AJ Finley, that would be incredible to have him still on the team. Um, and, you know, uh, Otis Reese as well. But I think that, like you said, Aishim Young is good. He's not like, you know, super incredible, but he's, he's pretty good. Uh, I like Trey Washington. I think that uh, he made enough plays last year for him to stick out and didn't make negative enough plays that I noticed, uh, which to me is, that's a good enough sign. Uh, And then I think that Teja Young, uh, you know, has a good bit of experience. um, And Dajon Anthony actually doesn't it's kind of a I always thought that was a, kind of a weird signing but Teja Young is a sixth year senior who uh you know played under Kiffin at FAU which tells you you know he's a sixth year senior um but John Saunders like I'm I'm really high on him I think that he'll be quite good and then Jaden Kennedy J- Jaden Kennedy uh yeah yeah from Tulane yeah so I mean I think that like they're in a they're in a spot where I'm sure that plenty of those guys or several of those guys will not hit, but like they kind of don't need them. Like they have so many guys who will likely be fine, and when you have enough guys who will likely be fine, it's probably going to be okay. Yeah i I definitely see where you're coming from, but yeah, I think that 
is the biggest area of concern on the defense for me. Uh, so yeah, it will be interesting to, to revisit this next week. Yeah. I mean, not that we'll really know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, at least, you know, we'll have some sense of like, is there like, does John Saunders jr. Just play all of the first quarter, you know, then like, Oh, okay. Well then, you know, he's clearly this, the main or one of the main guys opposite Aishim young. Uh, but is it, or is it just like a rotation of, of players in which case maybe there's a lot that's unsettled, but I don't know. I just, I, I feel fine about that position group. Um, the defensive line is really interesting to me. I think opinions on it are all over the map. Uh, some people seem to be like really high on the defensive line. I, I don't know where you stand. You and I have not talked about this yet. I I am decently high on it. I think it is an above average SEC def- defensive line, which Ole Miss rarely has. Okay. So are you buying this idea that J.J. Pegues will be more able to like eat with uh, j- mostly four down linemen and a big guy next to him kind of eating up some, some blockers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's absolutely the case. They have three guys who would be fine starting alongside him at defensive tackle who, you know, are more space eaters. Um, and we, we know like, we've seen Piggies be really dynamic at Auburn and at Ole Miss last year at times. It just, he was not put in a position to succeed very often. Um, but there's other players too. Cedric Johnson. I think we didn't get to see much of him healthy last year. He's a dynamic player. Um, Isaac Uku, I think is going to be pretty damn solid. Uh, Jared Ivy was very good last year in his first year and, yeah. uh, reports on him having improved, uh, you know, have, have kind of been circulating. I, they got guys, man. They got, they got more guys than they normally have. They have depth at every spot. They have a lot of seniority, uh, along the defensive line to the point where it's kind of scary next year. What's going to happen? Uh, <laughs> cause everybody's a senior, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be good. If it's not good, it'll be disappointing. Yeah, I I definitely um, I, I generally agree with with you uh, around that. Um, I do think that I'm not. <laughs> it, it's funny after what I just said about the safeties and how like there are enough guys who are fine um, that it'll probably work out, but. Um, that D tackle spot opposite JJ Pegues has to be with a player who's good enough to actually draw double teams or else it kind of doesn't really matter that like they're big. Um, and I guess we'll just kind of have to see like, you know, people are talking about Joshua Harris and Stephen, Stephen Wynn, Stefan Wynn. Um, I guess we'll, I'll, I'll know soon enough cause they'll probably call his name some against Mercer uh, being, um, you know, battling it out. Like neither one of those guys has done anything at the schools they came from. Uh, and I think that, you know, there are reasons for that and there are reasons to find them promising players and that sort of thing. But like, 
I'm just not ready to say that they're going to be enough of an impact that offensive lines stop keying in on JJ Pegues, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, to some extent, just their size and power kind of commands some extra attention because even if they aren't making the play in the backfield, you don't want a large defensive tackle just caving in the middle of your offensive line often, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I think they have the potential to do that just physically. Uh, I mean, again, we'll see, but that's, that's kind of my, my thought, but you're right. That is maybe the, the, the point along the line where the talent level is lowest. I, I think it's, it's fine, but not like all sec level. But yeah, I think overall the biggest criticism of this defensive line is there isn't a Sam Williams or a Greg Hardy or a Robert Kimdichie, um, just an all SEC level player necessarily um, along the line, but a lot of guys who are solid and experienced. Yeah, I think that like to your point about there not being a Robert Kimdichie or whatever, like if JJ Pegues is clearly the player we're most excited about and like he wasn't all that dynamic last year, he's fine, but he wasn't like, you know, a a game breaking difference maker last year. Like that kind of says something about the line, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely could. Um, the, you know, we talked about it all year last year and during the off season when we were trying to replace um, Chris Partridge, the, the three man line just makes it tough for any individual yeah. to stand out. You know, great, great point. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, well, I think that makes sense. Um, so I, I, I put a, a question in the show notes that I, I found interesting. I've been thinking about it since we sort of talked to, about it or brought it up, but didn't actually broach the topic last week. Um, and I know this is like a weird hypothetical that maybe we shouldn't talk about on actual game week, but um, would you rather, if you could sort of choose one of these things, would you rather have a deep team that was, you know, not as talented at the top or one with like quite a, a good bit of talent at the top, but where, you know, an injury or two could really sort of spiral things out of control? Well, that's a very hard question. But I think my answer is we've seen plenty of the latter. Ole Miss teams that have elite talent, no depth. You know what? Let's take a, a spin with the other and see what that looks like. <laughs> That's a really great point. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. Because until, until you said that, my answer was definitely like, I would rather have less depth than we have now, but more superstar players. Um, but maybe you're right. Um, it's just, it's so devastating when it falls apart, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Um, okay. That was a short hypothetical, but, uh, you convinced me with like one statement. So let's talk about our prediction on the record. Uh, and we don't really have to go game by game. Uh, cause I think that that's kind of like not the best pod, but, uh, what's your prediction? 
Uh, and I know that like a prediction is kind of weird because it's it's like, well, probability of winning this game versus this game, that sort of stuff. But like if you had to stick to a number of wins, a number of losses, what would you what would you guess? Man, I was on team nine and three for a long time, and I think I'm weirdly adjusting down to eight and four. I just I don't know. This week has me feeling weird things. Uh, just some of the the questions around the quarterback position, um, questions about, you know, injuries and how, how different injuries might affect the team and just the, the project of, of, you know, implementing all these new players at all these different positions and stuff like that. It just has me thinking that like, maybe they don't have the juice to upset Alabama or Georgia or LSU and then maybe the, there will be enough disarray at some point to, you know, fall to to A and M or Auburn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a really good team, but I think it's going to be a, a frustrating eight and four year where we think like, wow, we would have won ten games a lot of years, but not this year. <sighs> Gosh, this is gonna be such a boring podcast. To listen, because I like that is exactly the way that I feel. I am I am eight and four, good team, but tough draw with UGA, uh, and it's going to be difficult to overcome that. Uh, you know, I think that LSU will be quite good. I think Alabama will be better than people think because everybody's saying, oh, they won't have a quarterback, but like they have five stars at almost every position. So I think it'll work out just fine for them. Um, and I think there's also like somebody, this idea that I think you and I actually, actually, no, you and I kind of disagree about the difficulty of Tulane. Uh, I think that the first three games, which are Mercer, Tulane and Georgia Tech will be relatively easy. But then it is Alabama, LSU, Arkansas. And you run the risk of losing all three of those. And then suddenly you're three and three. And, you know, we saw what happened last year when the team kind of lost some games and suddenly just folded. Um, I certainly hope that that is not what happens this year. But, uh, yeah, I, I just I don't see them upsetting UGA or Alabama. I think that LSU is a near certain loss. And then to suggest that they will win every other game is kind of weird. So I, that's why I have them at eight and four. Yeah. You'd certainly like to not have Alabama and LSU and then Arkansas back to back to back because yeah, you're right. I mean, if we faced LSU at a good point in the season, I might qualify that as a toss up, but it just like the week after Alabama was just tough, man. Yeah. And then, and then, you know what? The week after LSU also tough, man. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah. And I mean, Arkansas, Arkansas. <laughs> boat race stole this last year. Yeah. I mean, Ole Miss should have been in that game, but they caught every bad break imaginable. And I say that at risk of getting fined by the sec office. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the refs made sure that, that we couldn't 
score and that in, in the first half and then it was just sort yeah, of yeah, like yeah. Oh, no, it got, going through the motions it terrible it got terrible but yeah. in the first quarter or so it was like we are better than arkansas just everything is going wrong and then it it you know got out of hand yeah yeah <clears throat> okay we're we're winding down here uh I know that we haven't actually seen, uh, you know, Ole Miss has not released a depth chart as of now, at least as far as I understand it. Um, but among the probable starters on offense and on defense, who do you think that like maybe we are not talking about enough or people are not talking about enough that like at the end of the year will suddenly be, oh, you know, this guy is a person that factored in much more than expected. You know, that's a really tough one. Um, it's not tough for me. I'll, I'll go first then. All right. Uh, go it's, for it. it's Dayton Wade for me. Ooh, good, pick. good pick. Good pick. Yeah. Uh, I think that people are, are, are forgetting how useful he was at times. Now it's not, I'm not saying that he's going to be like, our best receiver or something like that. But, you know, he had, he had some games last year. Um, I mean, he never had, like put together some huge epic performance, but uh, you know, against state, he had eight catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then in the bowl, he had three catches for 73 yards. Uh, I think that he has some, I don't know. He brings a skill set that a lot of the other wideouts don't have, which is sort of that like shifty guy underneath. Uh, and I could see him being utilized more uh, as as he's had really time in the system and everything. I mean, this last year was his first year at Ole Miss, uh, and it, it took him a while, but he really came on towards the end of the year. Yeah, and it was his first year really playing like big time college football. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, uh, he was definitely on on my short list, and I think another point is that I think he is kind of like an emotional leader, um, a little bit. Like I think when he makes a big play, like the team is going to get hyped up, like the fans are going to get hyped up. You know, uh-huh. the, he's, he's a, a favorite, and and I think for good reason. Um, the two, I'll say two guys. I, I was going to say Caden Priestcorn. He might be injured. We're not totally sure about that. I don't know. But in assuming that he may not play the first couple of weeks, I'm kind of split between uh, Jordan Watkins and Jaden Williams. Um, I think mm-hmm. Williams probably will improve a lot from year one to year two, and it will suddenly, you know, become very obvious that we have a a pretty good left tackle who's doing a much better job of keeping Jackson Dart or Spencer Sanders or whoever uh, upright. Uh, And then Jordan Watkins, he has a little bit of that um, Braylon Sanders ability to just disappear and reappear wide open. Um, He's, he's fast. He, He he, he sees the defense um, he just, he seems to make huge plays. Um, if you, you know, look at a lot of our games last year, the offense would be stymied and then Jordan Watkins would make a 40 yard reception or something like that. So those, those are my, the two guys I was caught between. Yeah. I think those are also r- very reasonable picks. Um, 
Yeah, what about for defense then? So, I've mentioned him before. I think John Saunders is my dude, man. I think he's going to be the best safety. Uh, I think he might push to be the best defensive back that, that Ole Miss has. Uh, DeAndre Prince and Zamari Walton are, are really good at, at corner, I think. But I think he's, you know, watching him in the Grove Bowl, he was all over the place. Um, and, and I think he has um, a, a big upside, and it'll be fun to watch him. Yeah, I think the defense is maybe a little bit more settled and maybe sort of on some level everyone's talked about. Um, but I actually, I don't necessarily, I mean, I know I said starter. And this guy probably isn't penciled in as a starter. But um, Kari Coleman. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, I'm going to pretend that games four through 12 or four through 13 did not happen last year. And in games one through three, Kari Coleman was like making a case for a, an all American. (laughs) Uh, He was like all over the field, crazy. And then he got hurt. And then the rest of the season, you know, was not, was okay. Um, and I guess like the fact that he's not a clear and obvious starter is maybe not a great support to my idea, but I'm going to go ahead and say, like, I think that he'll make some big plays and maybe like, uh, pass a guy or solidify a spot or whatever. Um, and will be someone that at the end of the year, we say, you know, he made a bigger difference than we expected him to. Yeah, you're right. He was very, very disruptive early in the year. Um, And yeah, I I definitely have high hopes for him making a comeback. Yeah. um, Okay. So uh, you actually wrote here season hot takes. Uh, Actually, you wrote Mercer hot takes. And then I was like, I don't want to talk about Mercer. So uh, do you have Mercer? Do you have season hot takes or do you want to revert to Mercer hot takes? Um, I, I can come up with a season hot take. Let's do it. Um, my season hot take is that, um, Jam Griffin and Ulysses Bentley end up playing a much bigger role than we think. Um, I think it, I don't know. I think it'll be difficult for Quinshawn Judkins to repeat his freshman season, even, even, you know, if nothing happens that his, you know, that's his fault or whatever, like he could be a better player. It's just hard to catch that kind of success twice in a row. I think we're going to see the ball spread around a little bit more and, and for those guys to have to come in and, and, you know, be big contributors. Yeah. I mean, to your point, like Quinja Judkins is a great running back, but also had a billion carries last year. Yeah, for sure. So that's mine. I don't know how hot that is, but. Yeah. Um, huh. <laughs> it was in the show notes and I thought about it and I I didn't come up with something. So let me just like off the cuff uh, name something. I think that. Um, huh. <laughs> Maybe I should have thought, th- thought this through a bit. Uh, I think that. 
one of the one of Monty Montgomery or Jeremiah Jean Baptiste will have like a silly number of tackles, like almost a hundred. Uh, maybe maybe a hundred. Um, and the other won't work out. Interesting. I, that is a hot take. All right, let me make let me make one more hot take. That is so so. The first one was kind of internal focused. This next one will be external focused. We will beat the absolute crap out of Texas A&M. <laughs> there you go. There you I, go. I think I like we will. That. I just think it's like, it's become a meme that they have so much talent and they still suck. And I think that we will just beat them down again. Yeah. You know, I've seen, I, I talked with someone who knows a lot about football and is probably right, but I'm going to, I'm just going to say is, is silly. Um, this person was saying like, um, if Bobby Petrino actually gets to call plays for A&M, then like we're in trouble. I, I kind of think Bobby Petrino is done. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's done too, man. I mean, um, I, and just like, yeah. who, go ahead. Who, who are their playmakers, you know, on, on who, who is their quarterback? Who is, you know, who, who plays for Texas A&M right now? Like, <laughs> I don't know. No, their quarterback is good. Uh, it's uh what's his face. Um, what is his name? Uh, Connor Weigman. He was, he was good against Ole Miss last year. He was, a, he was a freshman last year. Okay. Uh, and they have Marcel Reed, who they stole from Ole Miss. Oh, yeah, sure. That will uh, but yeah, I mean, play. they have a lot of talented but very unproven guys. And so some of those will work out and some won't. And we'll see, like, with bad coaching, how it works out, you know? Yeah. Okay, well, that's going to do it for us. And next week, we'll be able to actually talk about the results of a game. We will analyze Mercer far too much, and then we will disagree about the difficulty of Tulane. So keep an eye out for that. Peace out, everybody.